If you look now, the book of Acts is more and more describing salvation as believed. I thought we were supposed to say repent. By the way, by the time we get the gospel by John, the word repent doesn't even show up in the last gospel. It's only believe. And in Acts, 39 times, the word believe is used to describe people's response to the salvation message. But we've already seen in Acts 8 that some believe and they're not saved. Jesus warned us about that. So what does it mean to believe? Well, the Bible always defines itself. Jesus already defined belief in John 2. And what he says is, there are people that assent. This is assent to facts. I mean, who couldn't? Uh, in Christ's ministry, even the people that crucified him, the Sadducees, they never said what he did wasn't true. They never said, you didn't raise people from the dead, you didn't make them see. They never denied the miracles. They assented to them. They said, he's a miracle worker, but we're not going to bow to him, and we're not going to believe in him. It was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast. Many believed in his name because they saw the signs. They, they assented to the facts. This man can multiply food. This man can raise the dead. He can make wine out of water. They believed in him. He did all that. They said, you did all that. But look, next verse. Jesus did not commit himself to them. Do you know what that means? They weren't saved. Merely assenting to the facts does not equal salvation. Jesus goes on, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. There's a difference between an assent and whatever he's talking about here. And that, that scene there is a beautiful picture of salvation. Moses and the serpent, you know, we're talking about an Old Testament event. Do you remember what it was? The camp of Israel was a big square. And they had the tabernacle in the middle. And they had three tribes this way and three this way and three this way and three this way. And if you do the math, 603,000 families with all their children and their tents and their carts and their animals and all their farming gear and everything that they'd ever owned their whole lifetime dragging it through the desert to make a campground with 3 million people in it is a minimum, if you just use the, the minimum square footage of a campsite, a 9 mile wide by 9 mile long campground minimum. That's 81 square miles, okay? Snakes were biting people in this story. Moses in the center of town, or of the camp, put up a, like a little telephone pole and wound a brass serpent around it on that pole right there. And this person is vomiting and going through spasms of venom from a viper and they're laying, being blinded by the, I mean there's a paralysis of their nervous system from these vipers. It's a horrible way to die. And here's Uncle Joe over here, four and a half miles from the center of camp and it says that whoever believes in him should not perish like Moses lifted up the serpent. People would run. As soon as the word began radiating out, people came to Uncle Joe and says, guess what? Moses just lifted up a serpent on a pole. We don't have medevac here. You're never going to make it. But if you will just believe that, that that serpent is lifted up and that God can heal you, he will. And you know what? Uncle Joe right here, in his spasms, 
If he in faith looked to something he couldn't see and believed it was true, he was instantly healed. See, he would cling to that event of that serpent lifted up as his only hope. And God ratified that belief by healing him. That's exactly all we do. We go around to people. If you would see lost people, they're writhing and paralysis and they're foaming at the mouth and they're blind. And we say, you know what? Someone was lifted up on a tree 2,000 years ago and if you will believe that's your only hope, God will totally set you free from your paralysis and blindness and spasms. And that's the miracle of salvation. Well, real quickly... um, Beware of just being 18 inches from heaven. Turn to chapter 2, and I want to show you uh, the book of James, chapter 2. Because what most of us don't realize is, while all of this book of Acts is going on, there's a church in Jerusalem. It's pastored by Jesus' brother, his earthly brother, James. And James is the first epistle of the New Testament written. And James is pastoring all these thousands of people that came to faith in Jerusalem. And a lot of them came to mental assent. And he's got to deal with that. And so he says, hey, watch out. Look at James 2, starting in in verse 14. He says, watch out. What does it profit, my brethren, if you say you have faith, but you don't have any change in your life? There's no works. Can, Can you just saying that you've assented to the truth about Christ, can that save you? He goes on to say in verse 17, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. What he's saying is faith is never alone. Always attached to faith is the justifying works of sanctification. So what James says all the way through verse 19 is, there's some people that are going to miss heaven by this far. They've assented to the facts. They've never had a new heart. So what happens? Well, he goes on. He says, watch out of having mere intellectual faith. That's verse 17. Faith by itself. If you just believe the facts, if you're just like Sergeant Friday from Dragnet 30, 40 years ago, just believe the facts. That's not enough to save you. Also, beware of mere emotional belief. Look what he says in verse 19. You believe there's one God? Don't think you're doing well. The demons also believe and tremble. Beware of emotional belief. You know, a lot of people have an emotional experience. They think they're saved. There's no change in life. They're still headed this way. They still love this. Everything in their life is the world and the flesh and God. I mean, they don't even want to read the Bible. They hardly can go to church. It's hard for them to be around all that. And when people drag them to church, they just, they don't want to leave what they love. They had an emotional experience. That's not salvation. So what James is saying is this, beware of demon faith. What is demon faith? Let let me just define it for you. Demons completely believe in the reality of God. There are no atheistic demons, okay? None of them are atheists at all. Secondly, demons completely believe in the deity of God. There are no liberal demons either. You know, we have liberals today. They're not sure about the miracles and if Christ is really God, you know? Demons completely believe in the supreme power that Christ holds over their destiny. Uh, There are none of these demons that that believe that everybody is going to go to heaven, in other words, there, there are no, um, well, I won't name names, but the guy that used to preach in Grand Rapids, you know, that love wins and everybody's going to make it someday. Demons know that's not true. Demons completely believe in hell and the horrors of eternal punishment. Every time a demon saw the Lord, they said, you're not sending us there now, yet it's not time. They believe in it. Demons completely believe in submission to God's word. They never express doubt 
God's word was true, and they usually instantly obeyed the word of God. That's demon faith. There are people like that. They believe in the reality of God, the deity of God, the supreme power of Christ. They believe in hell and submission to God's word. They just don't have a new heart. That's demon faith. And that's horrible. How do we apply the sermon James preaches here in verses 14 to 19? The application is this. Just knowing the facts, believing the facts, is not enough. It must be clinging to Jesus Christ, coming to him just like we see in the Gospels. When people wanted to be healed, they came and fell at Christ's feet and they held on to him and they said, we know you can do it. You're the only one. You're my only hope. I want you to cleanse me. And you know what? Everyone that came, he did. Some came and said, I want you to cleanse me, but I don't want to change. And he says, no. And they went away. See how clear it is in the Gospels? Intellectual agreement won't save us. That's James' point. Emotional responses coupled with intellectual response also isn't sufficient. Demons had regular emotional responses. It says they dreaded, they quaked. True saving faith comes from God's grace at work in our heart. Saving faith is a repentant faith that comes from God and always results in a changed life. That's why God's grace is so amazing to watch when people get saved.